Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the 300th episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, who you all know and love, as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I was looking at the numbers. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what happened on day seven of practice. We'll get to the mailbag here. But I was looking at the numbers in terms of the podcast, and you and I have actually been podcasting of 300 episodes. You and I have been podcasting together for exactly half of them. You know, we we joined up at podcast number 150. You joined the team here. So does it feel like 150 pods under your belt? No, not at all. It's crazy to think about, Chad. We started, what, last March, I believe, during yep. free agency. Right, and right. then we had yeah, our – That's right. Yeah, we had our, our roundtable for the draft. And that was very new back then when we kind of joined forces. But 150 episodes later, we're like, uh, you know, like a, a long-lived sitcom on television, you know, just living in infamy forever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Time flies, man. And the NFL never sleeps. And, you know, just like, for example, it, it's – when we went into that break, it felt like, oh, you know, six weeks till football is back, till training camp rolls around. It feels like forever, but when you're working steadily every day, covering the team content, looking ahead, covering the Denver Broncos, time flies, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it went nowhere. And we were back before the players where we were on top of the Broncos with their every move. And there was, you know, some struggle there to make things work. It got a little dry at times in news, but, um, you know, 150 episodes is still is, is boggles my mind. It's crazy. It's awesome and crazy at the same time. Yep. And we will be entering this 2019 season going daily, continuing the daily thing. So all of our awesome listeners out there that have been loyal and religious listeners stick with us we're we're not changing it up it's going to continue daily six out of seven days a week you're going to have a huddle up podcast or a building the broncos podcast under of course the huddle up podcast umbrella so it's going to be a great season we're looking forward to it and uh today we got a lot to get to in the mailbag but first zach i wanted to ask you if you saw these two injuries that happened on thursday day seven of training camp you had the tight end bug howard had an ankle and then Jake Rogers, the backup offensive line, it looks like he had some kind of a calf injury. Once again, lower leg. Yeah, what a surprise. More lower leg problems for the Broncos. Uh, they, they don't seem too serious. Uh, Bug Howard rolled his ankle. Uh, preliminary x-rays were encouraging. They came back negative. He underwent an MRI today. We've heard nothing, so I presume good. no news is good news. Um, it's it's unfortunate because he's made some waves in training camp chat with, with Jake Butt being out and uh, Noah Fant struggling. Uh, he, Bug Howard has made his case for maybe not a roster spot, but maybe a spot on the fifth, uh, on the practice squad. And uh, any time though that he misses here is going to you know damage his chances irreparably. But uh, hopefully he gets back out there soon. I know that Eric Trickle liked Jake Rogers in terms of his upside fit potential. 
at making this roster. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure on Eric's first, and now this was before camp, in between OTAs and camp, his first 53-man roster projection, he had Jake Rogers making this this 53-man roster. His second one, which we just published a few days ago, of course, Rogers is not on that because just, you know, things have unfolded in a different way. But he has some experience. He's been in the NFL a couple of years, mostly floating around practice squads, had some time uh, in Pittsburgh with Mike Munchak. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But he's a true tackle who could factor in. But based on what I was told and hearing from Thursday, I mean, Elijah Wilkinson has the swing tackle job pretty much locked up, health willing. They're playing him at left and right this time around. Yeah, it seems like he has that, that backup tackle spot locked down. It seems like Chaz Green or, or Don Barclay have that reserve guard spot locked down. So uh, Rodgers, it, it's, it was a great story that you know he was with the Broncos this offseason and, and worked his way up, and he got Eric's recommendation. But this injury, just the same thing with Howard. Anytime he misses now, it's just going to hurt his chances uh, very, very badly. All right, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to dive into the mailbag here in just a second. But first, just a couple quick reminders. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That is the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you like consuming podcasts on YouTube, find Mile High Huddle on YouTube. All the pods are there. You can listen at your convenience. Subscribe, like, comment. Big deal. And on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, if you like what you hear, we appreciate it. You leave us a creative review and a five-star rating. All right. You guys, it is that time of the week where Zach and I take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your Burning Broncos questions. And as always, the VIP subscribers, first to the plate. This comes from Aquaman H2O, been a VIP for a long time, going on 23 months. He says, Zach, haven't heard too much about Brett Rippon during camp. What are your thoughts? Is he a practice squad bound or 53-man roster? How much playing time do you think he gets in the Hall of Fame games at? Uh, he'll get quite a bit if, if the plan is to still start Kevin Hogan and sit Joe Flacco for that game. And, and he'll, you know, Hogan will give way to Drew Locke, and then Locke will, should give way to Brett Rippon. Either way, we'll see him a lot this preseason. He'll take it down to the wire. Uh, based on you know the first week of camp, he hasn't been getting that much shine, that much run with the second team. He's strictly the third quarterback in the rotation. And I believe Vic Fangio even said today uh, that he's coming along slowly. He's going to take some time. He's another project who hasn't gotten as many reps. And it's still unusual for the Broncos to have four quarterbacks. And, and divvying up those reps makes it more difficult when you have that many players. Um, whether he makes the roster, I don't know right now. I think he has a better shot at the fifth, at the at the practice squad. But preseason will ultimately determine the pecking order behind Joe Flacco. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly yet until we see him in preseason action against outside competition, whether or not he's practice squad bound or 53-man roster bound. But at worst, the Broncos will try to sneak him onto the practice squad at worst. I mean, they paid him over hundred grand guaranteed as a college free agent. So one or the other is going to happen question is you know obviously is he going to be active roster or practice squad we don't know yet now everything i've been told and this was reinforced to me on thursday following day seven is that kevin hogan is not long for this roster right now they're really capitalizing on the four arms to get as much work done with these wide receivers as possible but pretty soon they're going to whittle it down because if it'd be one thing if kevin hogan was as the veteran you know clearly better than the two rookies but he's not. He's, he's been terrible. He's been as bad, if not worse, for example, than what you would expect to see of a rookie uh, quarterback entering his first training camp. 
you're not seeing the upside. You're not seeing the plus plays like you're getting out of Drew Locke. He might bump his head. He might make a mistake and throw an interception and be inconsistent. But then you get to see the upside at the same time. You're not seeing that. And he's not hedging his his inconsistencies with – you know, the, the fact, if it's a veteran, you just expect more than what you're getting from right. Kevin Hogan. So if the idea, what I'm getting at is, well, you need him as a fail-safe in case something happens to Locke, or excuse me, to Flacco and Locke's not ready, what have you seen from Kevin Hogan thus far that would make give you any kind of confidence that he would be a fail-safe? He's not. He's a, he's a fail-danger. You're not a fail-safe. <laughs> okay, so I, I think it's only a matter of time before he's gone, and that'll be, that'll spell good things for Brett Rippon. So, We'll see how that shakes out. We'll we'll get to some YouTube questions here, but let me grab a few on Twitter, including from Jedi Joshua fifty eight, also a VIP subscriber. He uh, congratulates us on the three hundredth episode of the Huddle Up podcast. He says, "Awesome! I hope it's a long one." I like to hear you guys talk shop. Okay, fellas, the early returns on Jawan James aren't super great. When will be the time to worry? I realize it's early and he's going against Vaughn, which can't be underestimated, but we have a tough, some tough edges in the AFC West. Zach, is it time to hit a panic button in your mind at all about Jawan James, who has pretty consistently been posterized by Vaughn Miller in training camp? I mean, how many tackles are in the NFL, though? He's a great player, and, and Juwan James is coming over and kind of learning a new system, and he was the highest-paid right tackle in the NFL, so he has that. Uh, you know, title on his name, and he has that much to prove. He's going to struggle. He's going to be inconsistent. That's the way he, he was in Miami. But when he's on his game, chat, he's a stud tackle. He's a stud protector. And you have the best offensive line coach in the NFL working with him. I believe he'll be – I'm not worried about him so much. I'm worried about Garrett Bowles. I believe James will be stable on that right side. You have a good guard over there. You have a nice side to that line. But the left side, when your left tackle is self-sacking your quarterback – I'm more worried about that guy. I'm pressing the panic button on that guy, Chad. Yeah. I don't know. I, On one hand, I can understand fans being disappointed that that what was thought to be the highest paid right tackle in the history of the NFL is not just, you know, stonewalling all comers. But we have to keep in mind he's going against arguably. Now, most of us, I think, believe Von Miller is the best edge rusher in the NFL. But even if you're skeptical of that, arguably, or one of the best edge rushers in the league – Von Miller's a Hall of Fame caliber. He's going to the Hall of Fame by the time he hangs up his cleats. And he's going against that every day. And I look at it like this, Zach. I think that's going to make Juwan James better by the time the regular season goes around. And I think it's also going to help on the other side, Garrett Bowles get better in terms of what we're seeing from Bradley Chubb, who's just looked phenomenal so far. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Wait till you see Juwan James against some outside competition and wait till, you know, that make sure that outside competition is regular season. Like if he doesn't look bullet you know 10 feet tall and bulletproof in in uh, the dress rehearsal game three or game four whatever it ends up being for the broncos in the preseason don't worry let's wait let's get to the regular season and see him against some outside competition because he's been in the nfl for five years he's proven that he can be at least a serviceable right tackle in this league but the broncos obviously believe he can be even more than that now zach next question here comes from cole mason on twitter at cole mason four he says congrats on 300 boys my question is kind of long, but I was watching Elway's press conference on the first day of training camp, and he was asked about the secondary and specifically about Chris Harris Jr. being back and basically how good can they be. He didn't give too much insight and even seemed annoyed when the reporter mentioned Chris Harris Jr. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it seems like he's still mad about the situation, and it's not giving me too much hope on CHJ returning next season. Just curious of your guys' thoughts and if you noticed 
the same thing. I'll be honest, Cole, I didn't notice the same thing as far as Elway seeming annoyed, but I'm on record as saying that I pretty much have written Chris Harris Jr. off beyond 2019. I think it, you know, just sweetening his deal this year instead of offering him another couple years on a contract extension traditionally like most of the time if there's a if there's a raise it usually comes with additional years on the term of the contract well and that didn't happen to me that spelled one year rental mercenary status mindset and i think chris harris jr has to approach it the same way zach he has to look at this like okay contract year i'm gonna go out there and ball out so that i can make some significant money on what is probably going to be my last nfl contract yeah, I was going to say, Chad, we've been telling people throughout the holdout, throughout all the articles that we put out, that Chris Harris Jr. is gone after the season. He's a one-year mercenary for this team, and the breadcrumbs were laid after the season. He was going into a contract year, a lame duck year, and they don't come to him with an extension, a Pro Bowl cornerback who's been nothing but great for the team. Elway is the type to hold grudges, as he's shown. Uh, I'm sure it did not sit right with either party that this this dragged out the way it did. But even Chris Harris Jr. said when he got his extension, Chad, which we talked about on the pod at the time, he, he'll be the uh, number one corner in terms of highest paid next year. He's number four this year. He'll be number one next year. Money was always his motive, and he didn't hide it at all. He wanted to get a little more money this year, and then he's confident that he can prove his worth coming off a broken leg and then cash out next offseason. And he might, and he might not. But yeah, he's gone after the season. Broncos fans hoping for Chris Harris Jr. to sign a long-term deal. That idea vanquished right after the season. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could see, last thing I'll say, because this is a, a storyline that we've pretty much put in the rear view. Last thing I'll say is the only thing I could really see changing that eventuality that Zach just laid out is if Isaac Yadam, the combination of either Isaac Yadam and or Devontae Bosby just stink it up in 2019 and the Broncos don't really have a clear, confident succession plan on the outside for Chris Harris in combination with Harris also having a really strong 2019 season and staying healthy. So if there's struggles behind him and he has a strong season, I could see Elway because the issue here was Elway didn't want to make him the highest paid corner in the league, which is what Harris wanted at his age. But if that's the way the cookie crumbles and Isaac Adams stumbles, Bosby stumbles, and Harris continues to shine, Elway might just bite the bullet because they're going to have quite a bit of cap room next year. All right, Zach, next one here comes from Chef M at Chef M Baldwin on Twitter. Chad, he's, well, I guess direct to me. What is the fallback plan if McGovern can't snap the ball properly? <laughs> Sam Jones, perhaps? Well, I guess that's the only option, right, Zach? You have Reisner, who played, uh, you know, as a center in college, and he has some, you know, he had some experience there in college. He can play all over the line, but it's not, it's not ideal to have your center miss snap balls. And uh, Fangio was asked about that, and he's, he's not p- pressing the panic button to quote him, but he's kind of getting concerned about it. And McGovern is a full-time starter now for the first time, and this kind of, if it doesn't get smoothed out, it kind of could cause some resentment about not resigning Matt Paradis, who you and I both, Chad, kind of advocated for. He was an Ironman center, a top five center, and the Broncos were too worried about his his ankle. And but he still beat the PUP list with the Panthers. He looks good, and and the Broncos are having some issues right now. Uh, for overall, it's still the first week of training camp. It's it's still we're talking about practice here. To quote AI, it's going to get smoothed out. McGovern should be decent there. But if this keeps happening, you're going to see a lot of uh, pushback against Elway for not solidifying that position with a better player. Yeah, Jake Brendel. Also has, I believe, a little experience playing center, but 
I mean, the Broncos are going to ride and die unless, you know, some act of God changes the equation with Connor McGovern at this stage for the starting center. He'll work out the kinks, you know. I think it's fair to say also that there's a marked difference between snapping to six foot barely one uh, Case Keenum and six Great foot point. six Joe Flacco. So just Great give point. him a little time. He'll he'll get it there. And, you know, for example, Tom Nalen, who is obviously in the ring of fame, two-time world champion center for the Broncos, multi-year pro bowler. Obviously, he has his radio show now in Denver on uh, on the drive on 104.3 The Fan. He's not worried about it at all. So take that for what it's worth, Chef M. I don't think it's something to, to write home about quite yet. But we still have a lot we want to get to today from some questions from our awesome YouTube listeners. We're going to dive into those. But first, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, let's uh, answer a couple questions here from our Awesome community of listeners on YouTube. And here's a weird one. We'll, we'll take this one. This is from a Chiefs fan, Low Lip McGee, okay? I'm only taking this because he's being respectful, he's being cool, and it's, a, I think, an interesting question. He says, hello, Zach and Chad. If I'm nice, will you guys take a question from a non-Broncos fan? LOL. Obviously. What will it take to truly take over the division from the Chiefs? Not just steal a win here and there but become consistent division winners and competitors. And realistically, when do you see that happening? Thanks. I, that would happen, I, I would say, unless Flacco Chad, unless he just clicks with the team and he he's in his prime as Elway believes he is, they're not going to challenge the Chiefs full-time consistently until or if they find that franchise quarterback. It could be Drew Locke. It could be Justin Herbert next year. But until they get that guy – to match wits with Patrick Mahomes, uh, they're going to be second place to the Chiefs. They brought in a good starting point with Vic Fangio. They can hold Mahomes down, but I don't think they can contain him permanently. So my answer to that question, I, I, sometime in the next decade, but for this season, unless just Flacco goes crazy, uh, I think the Chiefs are still going to be clearly ahead of the Broncos. I'll take a little bit more optimistic uh, view on it and say that I, I could see it happening within the next three years. However, and I'll tell you why, however – it really does come down to what Zach said. We all know this is a quarterback's league. And Joe Flacco, you know, he's got experience. He's a 10-year starter, and he's won a Super Bowl. But we all know the story on Joe Flacco, and I think we're all going to believe it when we see it with regard to him. So for me, what it really comes down to in terms of unseating the Chiefs as kings of the hill right now in the AFC West is how soon will Drew Locke be ready? And mm-hmm. will Drew Locke ever be ready as a, yeah. as a franchise-caliber guy? But if he is, if the Broncos actually do hit on Drew Locke, I could see that happening within a three-year window and the Broncos, you know, dominating the AFC West because one thing the Broncos have today that the Chiefs don't have is an elite-level defense out of the gates. So if you can, com- if you can combine that, Zach, with, uh, you know, an up-and-coming young franchise quarterback hitting the ground running those two things together, you know, that's a potent combination that would be hard for any team, including the Chiefs, to deal with because the Chiefs defense, you know, has some bright spots. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're they're schlubs or anything, but they're not on the same level as the Broncos are today. And this defense has a chance to even be greater than than what we know about them today. By the time this season is over, they could be even better in terms of their cachet. So I think a three-year window is not asking too much, but it all depends on whether or not they got the quarterback situation right, whether it's Flacco or whether it's Locke. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like I said, if they take their time with Drew Locke and they and they develop him correctly, they give him time to, to manifest into a full quarterback, complete quarterback, uh, he can be that, that guy that, to unseat the Chiefs within the next three years. Either way, though, Chad, Drew Locke versus Patrick Mahomes, you're going to see some points in those games. 
All right, here's one from JL Avenger 23. He says, Hello, Zach and Chad. Greetings from San Jose, Costa Rica. I am intrigued by Jake Butt's status. I think he won't make it to the 53. That's my opinion. Troy Fumagalli needs to prove himself, and there's good reviews about the rookie tight end so far. Also, I'm okay with Coach Fangio about Drew Locke's QB improvements that he needs to make. My first question is, can it be possible for you to have Flacco, Hogan, and Rippon on the 53 and Locke on the practice squad. And what about re-signing running back David Williams from last year's draft? What can be a plan for him on the team? Greetings and thanks for all the Broncos inside info. A mile high salute to both Pura Vida. Hey, thanks, buddy. Um, there's no way in hell Drew Locke's going to a practice squad. And even if the Broncos tried to sneak him onto the practice squad, Zach, some team out there, of course, would swoop him up. Um, that I mean, that's so. Let's let's answer the thing about David Williams. What do you think the plan is there? We touched on it uh, when the Broncos brought him back. It kind of puzzled me that he's this, another kind of familiar name that randomly came back to the Broncos. If he's just a camp body, that's one thing. Maybe they're worried about the workload with Lindsey and Royce Freeman. Maybe you know he'll be on the team until final cuts. I just don't think he has the talent or the the, the time right now to unseat Devontae Booker for that third running back spot. Only going to carry four, Chad, as we talk about on, on the 53, including uh, Andy Janovich. And if there's anyone that's going to unseat Booker right now, it's going to be Devontae Jackson. So I don't know what they necessarily saw in David Williams. Someone in the front office, someone in the scouting department likes him. He's not long for this roster, though. He'll be gone, I think, by the time the summer ends. I do not disagree. Next one here comes from Brennan Cook. On YouTube, he says, Hey, Chad, what's up, Zach? Longtime listener and supporter. Do you think this team is missing a true number one wide receiver? I don't see Cortland Sutton or Emmanuel Sanders as true Super Bowl caliber number one wideouts. I really think Elway should make a splash in round one of next year's draft. What are your thoughts? No way. You have, you know, what what are titles? What are wide receiver ones? What What's a Super Bowl caliber wide receiver? It's all subjective. You have Cortland Sutton, who has multiple, you know, number one receiver qualities. You have Emmanuel Sanders, who's a two-time pro bowler, who's still number one receiver when healthy. And you have Deshaun Hamilton, whose upside might be a, a great number two. You have a great receiving core. Throw in Noah Fan in there. Throw in Philip Lindsay in there. Who cares about titles when you have these playmakers? Cortland Sutton, regardless of uh, what where he lines up on the field, what he's called, he's going to have a big season. He is the future at the position, and he will ward off any potential first-round picks. They have multiple other holes to fill, Chad, than going a receiver in round one next year. I do not see that happening. I mean, the biggest issue the Broncos have right now, I think, at wide receiver is just it's just a lack of experience. So. It's not a lack of talent. So going back no. to the well next year in the first round, I mean, I guess if it's the best player available, you don't take it off the board as a possibility. But, I mean, that's the issue right now is the Broncos just lack experience behind Emmanuel Sanders. When Sanders, we've talked about it on the podcast many times, when he's not on the field, the offense just looks different. And it's just going to take time for, <clears throat> whether it's Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, Jawan Winfrey, it takes time for them to learn the ropes and have that switch flip. And then all of a sudden they become that Emmanuel Sanders. Like if you go back, for example, and watch that 2011 Broncos versus Steelers wildcard game in which Tim Tebow hits Demarius Thomas and wins it the whole game uh, in, in overtime, Emmanuel Sanders plays in that game as a Steeler, but he's a depth guy. You know, he's just a second-year wide receiver coming in as the third or fourth guy off the sideline. <clears throat> you know, flash forward to three years later, two years, three years later, and he's signing a massive deal to come play as a starting wide receiver for Peyton Manning. And that's, you know, it just takes time. So these guys, 
And the way Sanders got there is he experienced live bullets in Pittsburgh. And so that's what's going to take from these guys. You know, I think you're going to see a, at least one or two of them <clears throat> take a, a massive step forward this year, Zach. Yeah, and also keep in mind, this is still going to be a run-first offense. You're going to see a lot of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, and you have plenty of playmakers outside of that to make things happen through the air. You're going to see a breakout effort. I can guarantee that, as can you, Chad, from either Cortland Sutton or Deshaun Hamilton. It's looking like either of them right now are just ready to pop. And then you have behind them, you have Tim Patrick. Like you said, you have River Craycraft, Juwan Winfrey, who's impressed, Trinity Benson, who's a speedster. The Broncos' offense is a sum of all its parts. It's a collective unit and not just one superstar player. And all these parts together, if and when they jibe, they're going to be pretty good. All right, next question here comes from Dylan Buck Elk. Must be a hunter, <clears throat> would be my guess. He uh, On YouTube, he says, How much of an immediate impact will Coach Fangio have on the defense? Keep up the great work, boys. Zach, do you see this? I mean, obviously, even under Joe Woods that first year in 2017, the Broncos were one of two teams to finish in the top five against the, the run and the pass. The next year, 2018, as we all know, they, they just took a massive step backward, finished in the 20s in total yards. How much of a difference do you think Fangio makes this year? I mean, we've already seen it in training camp. I mean, they're dominating the offense. And I know that usually happens. They're usually ahead of the offense at this point of the summer. But it's not even a, a competition, chat. They're blowing by the offensive line. Uh, Vaughn and Chubb are just wreaking havoc. That secondary is collecting interception after interception. Fangio already made his mark. He already bumped up all these players. And when you see it in September when the game starts to count and when he's able to game plan and unleash his, his full repertoire, you're going to see a really, really good defense. I'm The best the Broncos have seen by far uh, since Wade Phillips. All right, a couple more, and then we're going to get out of here. This one comes from Kaimana Wilson on YouTube. Two questions here. With Josh Watson doing good, playing alongside Josie Jewell, what's realistic expectations he can have a significant role this year and possibly replace Todd Davis. Second question, with Jawan Winfrey doing so well, could you see him carving out a major role this year? Thank you for the great work you guys do. Much love from Hawaii. You're, uh, let's tackle the first one, Josh Watson. Realistic expectations for him as an undrafted rookie in 2019. Realistically this year, he'll probably probably be on the practice squad. I, I don't see a way he cracks the 53 unless they just they cut Keyshawn Bieria, they cut Joe Jones or Alexander Johnson. I don't see that happening. Or they just they just carry an insane amount of inside linebackers. It's a good um a good opportunity right now for him to get first string reps and see what he's made of. He's an intriguing player, but he needs more time to develop. He still has things he has to work on. And what better way than the practice squad? So realistically, he'll be on the taxi squad this season. And then when, with regard to Jawan Winfrey, yes, I could actually see him. Just, just you know, I wouldn't have said this before OTAs even. You know, you guys all know how I felt about that pick when it was made. But based on what I've seen from this kid, I mean, yes, I could see him making an impact this year similar to, say, what Deshaun Hamilton did last yep. year where, you know, he starts out at the bottom of the depth chart on the regular, you know, when the regular season rolls around. But one thing leads to another, whether by virtue of his own performance and merit or by injuries taking place, he ends up seeing the field and, uh, you know, makes an impact. I could see that. I was going to say Deshaun Hamilton or Tim Patrick could be a ceiling this year, and that's fine for this Broncos offense. It's yet another red zone big weapon for Joe Flacco. If he can be a situational player and come into the red zone or come in on passing situations and catch a couple passes, a couple touchdowns, he'll have worth this year. He can still develop, and uh, going forward, they don't have to pressure him to be a number one, number two, whatever title, and you know the Broncos look like they have someone here. So it's definitely a good position for him being that fifth receiver as opposed to being the third receiver. 
All right, last question here comes from Chandler Wildling on YouTube. What are your final projections for the offense at the end of the season? Do you believe that with the right coaching and if Flacco can be anywhere close to his 2014 self, do you at least see the Broncos having a top 15 or top 20 offense? Thanks for all the great content you guys put out. It really helps my work day go faster and better. Keep up the good work, guys, and go Broncos. Chandler, thanks for the love, dude. We appreciate you listening and being a religious listener. That's why we, uh, you know, things might not always be going well for us. You know, today, for example, I had an hour-long commute home, which should have been 25 minutes, ended up being over an hour. But instead of coming home and saying, screw this, I don't want to talk to the dudes, and I just want to, like, zone out and watch television or something, I'm like, no, nah, i got to get on podcast with Zach because we got <laughs> listeners that are counting on us, dude. They need us to help them get through their day. Sure. And so that's why we're here for you. So keep doing what you're doing, Doc. Um, what do you think, Zach? What, what's the realistic upside of this offense in 2019? Top 20, I, I think they can be, regardless of Joe Flacco, even if he bombs this year. I mean, that running game alone, Chad, and the upgraded offensive line and the coaching, I, I'm a big believer in Rich Scangarello. They can be a top 20 offense. But if Joe Flacco clicks and he goes back to that, his former self of the, you know, the, the earlier decade, they can be a top 10 offense with everything put together, the stars aligning, and hopefully injuries staying away from this team, top 10 is, I don't think, anything crazy to think about. They just have so many weapons, and Chad, we've talked about it. You'd be hard-pressed to name a better supporting cast of players around Joe Flacco at each level. And if all the things click together, all the stars are aligned, I mean, this, this could be an offense that definitely surprises some people in the NFL and can make a playoff push. We've talked about wondering what kind of play caller Rich Gangarello is going to be. You know, that's going to factor into this ultimately. I'm confident in the scheme he's bringing to the table. I know it works. I know it's, it's, it can be a weapon and, and productive in this league. We just don't know yet what we're going to get from Flacco, and we've never seen Rich Gangarello call plays in the league. But that being the case, or I should say notwithstanding, I think things are good things are on the horizon. In fact, I think Philip Lindsay and Emmanuel Sanders are going to kind of carry him early on. And, you know, the first quarter of the season or so, it's probably going to be kind of a treading water type offense with a few splash plays from their studs, Sanders, Lindsay. But I think by the time you get to, to the middle of the season and then down the stretch, I think this, this is an offense that, you know, by that point, Flacco's going to be comfortable. I think is going to be, you know, more of in a zone in terms of his, his play calling acumen. And then hopefully also by that point, Zach, you got Noah Fant maybe turning a corner a little bit. So I could see this team as an offense finishing top 15. That's what the, And I've yeah. written about this as well. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say top 15, Zach. I, I was going to say, uh, realistically, gun to my head, I think they finished somewhere in the 16-17 range, just in the middle of the pack and balanced all around. It, they're not going to be a pass-heavy team, a necessarily run-heavy team, a balanced coordinator uh, from Rich Gangarello and a balanced, evolving attack in the NFL. 16-17th overall is a massive improvement consistent-wise on what we see under Bill Musgrave. So that's a good position for a first-time play caller, all these new moving parts, all these new personnel options uh once it all comes together chad it might not happen until 2020 but they're going to field a pretty good offense some great questions in today's mailbag whether from the vips whether on twitter youtube you guys are awesome you guys are i mean as soon as we post something that we're looking for questions boom you guys are there so appreciate all of you who submitted questions we uh, really look forward to fridays and just getting to talk to you guys and hear what's on your mind so keep it coming and we will be back of course fresh episode for you on monday it'll be a game week 
Next week is the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night, August 1st. So we'll be previewing that for you next week. So stay tuned for that. And also, of course, tomorrow, Saturday, you'll have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos to look forward to. But in the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partners at Kelberman on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Everybody have a great weekend. And this is the last weekend that you'll have to live with without a football game coming later in that week. So it's great. Broncos football's back. We're stoked to cover it. It's going to be a great year. We'll talk to you guys soon. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.